0: Sorry, I had to make sure my little one uh got going where he was supposed to be going. Don't know if I I think I'm working. I think. All right. Well, hey, I'm Michael Kelly. I'm a missionary to the country of Suriname. If you did not know, which I'm pretty sure most of you did. Um I just wanna to, you to say thank you so much. Uh definitely one for your guys' support, for your prayers. Um, as you know 2020 has been a interesting and rough year especially for missionaries and uh, as of 2021 i am fully booked up uh for the first half of the year so i def- that's that's a major blessing i that definitely did not happen in 2020 just to let you guys know and uh so just thank you for your your prayers you guys have definitely been uh you guys have been great also Uh, i'm kind of waiting for the end of the the year to to make the announcement but we are ending unless something changes um this year at 69 percent so lord willing we will be able to be in suriname probably around the end of 2021 there i have a couple things that are kind of like tangent upon that like i have two kids that i'm working on adopting and uh Really exciting news on that is uh, on the 22nd we have our uh, court hearing where we appear uh, for the judge for them to change the goal from reunification to adoption. So that is a really big step of moving everything in the right direction. So just keep praying that everything goes uh, quickly and smoothly. And thank you all for just really all you guys have done. You guys are great. And um, in case you were wondering... It is 88 degrees in Suriname, in case you were wondering. All right. So, you know, I was, I'm kind of worried. It's like, man, maybe I'm not going to be able to preach long enough, because I'm really not a long-winded preacher, i right? I kind of get straight and, and you know, short and sweet and straight to the point. So I can preach more than one message if I need to, okay? <laughs> all right. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 this morning. Matthew chapter 4. And we'll read uh, verses 17 through 22, 17 through 22 of Matthew chapter 4. All right, so the Bible says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship, and their father, and followed him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just allowing us to be able to be in your house. Thank you for your word. Thank you for just allowing me to be able to be here. I pray that you would uh, fill me with your spirit, and have me say only the things that you would have me to say, and that you would fill this congregation with your spirit, so that they would be able to take away from your word what you would have them to take away. Please, just bless this time and meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in our text, Jesus is now starting his, his ministry. This is his public ministry that Jesus is starting. Jesus was uh, baptized by John the Baptist. Then uh, the Spirit of God led him in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, like I said, this is the start of his ministry. He is preaching and gathering disciples. You know, there has been many times that I have read this, and I've thought to myself, it's kind of unusual that a stranger would just walk up to someone and say, follow me, and that they would listen to him. And after I have done some more studying on that, I've come to the realization of this is not actually the first time that these people interacted with Jesus Christ. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we'll look at uh, verses 35 through 42. So John chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Again, the next day after John stood... And two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them, following, and saith unto him, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master. Where drawest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak, followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And He brought him to Jesus, and whom Jesus beheld him and said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is, by interpretation, a stone. I'm really going to point out, uh, in this message this morning, two invitations from Christ. Two invitations, and we're going to slowly get into the first invitation that Christ gives someone. Uh, so they have heard, these, these men, these people that we have uh, read about, they have heard the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ from John the Baptist. So they've heard John the Baptist talk about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ finally shows up to get baptized, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, we, ha- we have to... Kind of think about. It. We have to kind of realize what's going on here. These are Jewish people, right? And everybody uh, at that time had, believes John the Baptist to be a prophet, right? Which he was. And as we study our Bibles, we find out that he is the last of the Old Testament prophets, uh, John the Baptist. So everybody knows that when he is speaking, he is speaking. That He is speaking for God. He, he is saying the things that God is telling him to say. And everybody for years and years, hundreds of years, have been waiting for the Messiah. We've had the 400 years of silence where nobody have heard God speak. Nobody sent a prophet. Then John the Baptist has shown up. And then he now says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which to take away the sin of the world. Everybody knew what he was talking about. This is a big thing. Man, can you imagine? Here it is, all these people. They have been waiting for anticipation. And then the prophet, the last prophet, has finally said, this is the Christ, the excitement. So everybody, when he said that, they knew who he was talking about. They know what he was saying. Because all of these men have been taught the Bible. Did you know that as a child... You would go to oh I forget what it was what it would be called uh, Torah. you would have a Torah class taught by uh, Levites and priests or Pharisees or whatever. So you know they, they've been taught the scriptures, the Old Testament. So they have been waiting for anticipation. They're all they all know about the Messiah, and here he is. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Now they want to know more. About Jesus. Notice, Jesus is the one that initiated the conversation. They decided that we, you know, they, were like, they started to follow him. They're like, no, we want, we want to be closer to this. We want to see if this person that he has said is the Messiah, if he's the real deal, you know. So they're following him, kind of seeing what, what's going on and, and, and stuff. But Jesus, he responds to them with, what's he? And their response was, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? We, you know, they were not wanting a casual conversation on the side of the road with Jesus. They were uh, asking to join with him in the quiet of his home to open and pour out their hearts to him and for him to become their teacher. They wanted him to meet the, their crying needs of their heart. Isn't it awesome that when Jesus... Uh, when we start seeking, when we're wanting truth, God is the one that initiates that. God is the one that's like, what's seeking? God is the one that works in our hearts first. That God is the one that gets things started. I'm so glad that God worked in my life first. Uh, And then Jesus, you know, so here it is, they're like, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? Then Jesus' next response to them was an invitation. It was an invitation of, Come and see. Where where dwellest thou. Come and see. Psalm, hold on, and, uh, you know, the invitation was immediate. You know, Jesus did not postpone the request. He didn't leave them uh, just hanging, waiting for something. It happened right when they sensed their need. In Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. In Isaiah 1, chapter, 8, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So Christ's first invitation to man is one, of salvation. Uh, the, the God promises in his word that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then over in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God does not want you to perish, he does not want you to go to a literal place called hell. The the Bible says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. But God wants to have a relationship with us. So he sent his only begotten son to shed his blood and die on a cross for our sins. And then he was buried in a borrowed tomb for three days. And after those three days, he arose from the dead. Now, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, then you will be saved. Saved from eternal separation from God in hell. You know, know, here's something that I find interesting. You know, is, did you know the virgin birth is a very important thing? Same thing about him being buried in a uh, borrowed tomb. That's actually a very important thing because it has been prophesied in the Old Testament that the Messiah, would, those two things would happen to him. That one, he would be virgin born. So the virgin birth is actually one of the fundamentals of the faith. So to deny that would be denying that you are a Christian because you cannot not believe in the virgin birth and be a Christian. Because they would therefore defeat the fact that he is—he you know, wouldn't be the Christ if he wasn't virgin born. Then, secondly, the prophecy, so that was prophesied. Then it was prophesied he would be in the borrowed tomb. So all of these things are very important because it makes it allows us to know and know and know that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the Messiah, because he fulfilled all the prophecy. And then so, if we have not if you have not made the decision of placing your faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done for you, I would ask that you would do it today. You know, there was uh, when I first started deputation, I was doing a lot of traveling. I ended up stopping uh, for Thanksgiving over at a friend's house, and uh, you, they were we, we arrived kind of early. We were going to have we, we had Thanksgiving with them and everything. But a couple days before Thanksgiving, there was this lady. Uh, that you know asked him if they would give him, if he would uh, help her out with food and everything, uh, and he they all knew her because he picked up their kids for the bus ministry and everything. So anyway, and but their church has like a food pantry, and uh, the they uh, he was like, hey, I want, yes, I'll give you some food for today. But if you come to church Wednesday, uh, we'll be able to give you all kinds of food for you know over the holidays and everything. So you don't so you can. Have a really good meal for thanksgiving so she, uh, so she came now this lady she is an atheist right she is a, a proclaimed atheist right She told you she doesn't believe in God, but you 'd be surprised what people would do for food right so they, they, came, they came she came to our church service the the pastor there preached a really good message, uh, laid out a clear presentation of the gospel, and from what I know of, she did not accept Christ as her savior. So, but she got, she got the food. They had Thanksgiving. And then, you know, I'm packing up and everything. I'm leaving on Friday. So I left on Friday. And then I get a phone call. Not a phone call. I got a text later that, day, later that evening that, while, that they were that lady. She also had four kids. That lady. And so she was um, making food or whatever. And there was a gas leak in her house. And her, there was an explosion. Her house caught on fire. That lady died. One of her children they also ended up going with her. And I, God, really kind of put you know th- their faces have kind of been burnt into my uh, my my mind now because you know just uh, dealing with them and then so quickly hearing that they passed away. And if that lady did not accept Christ as her Savior, she went from one fire straight to another fire. It is it is, a, it is a sad thing. We I would love to know that she did, but I don't. And if she did not, like I said, one fire straight to another. She was not planning to die that day. She did not know that there was a gas leak. She did not know that her house was going to explode, be set up in flames, that one of her children was also going to pass away with her. She did not know these things. We do not know when our end is. But we can always know where we're going. And I would, I would just ask, that if you have not made that decision, you make that decision. So the first invitation is an invitation of salvation that Christ gives. He gives a second invitation. So after dwelling with Peter and Andrew, Jesus was led up by the Spirit to the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days, and then he was tempted of the devil. So now Jesus begins his public ministry and finds four disciples. Christ's second invitation is, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. The men that Christ called were ordinary working people. Peter and Andrew were busy at work when Christ called them. You know, this is very essential for serving Christ. That must be stressed. There must be a willingness to work and to work hard. In the Bible, when Christ calls a person, the person is not Uh, is not being lazy. The person is always working. Um, They are not goofing around. God does not choose lazy and inactive people. And too many believers are sitting around and being inactive. Therefore, they miss out on the higher calling of God. God does not bless laziness. So there is no secret formula to success. And if, I guess if there was one, it would be, do the work and God will give the increase. Or God will give you the results. Uh, Pastor John Wilkerson, I don't know if you know him, but he made a statement once that the harder you work, the luckier you'll get. And um, have you ever wondered why that the disciples had such a quick response? Jesus comes to them, so he's already spent time with these disciples. He's gone for 40 days. Uh, he comes back, he says, follow me. And they just, they just got up and left. I mean, they left, they left their, their, their jobs, they left their dad, and they went. They followed Christ right away. That sounds odd to me. But I think after comparing a couple scriptures, we can actually kind of get, we can understand why. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, and we'll read verses 25 through 30. It says, And there went a great multitude with him, and he turned and said unto them, this, so this is Jesus Christ, there's, uh, so with him is a great multitude, and he turned and he said unto him, If any man come unto me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that, behold, it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. A couple things I need to explain here first about this, about this, uh, this passage is um, verse 26. It says, If any man come unto me uh, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children, and brother and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Let me tell you what this passage is not saying. It is not saying for you to actually hate your, uh, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, uh, your brethren, your sisters. He is n- uh, not telling you to hate them. All right? What's going on here is that this is an old Jewish way of comparison. All right? Um, so the Jews would ha- have this way of say that you know uh, that you would that you need to hate that person. Well, 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 it's not really saying the way that we would use it in our vernacular of like actually hating someone. What saying, what Jesus is saying here is that you need to love me so much that if you compared my, the love that you have for me and the love that you have for your wife, your children, your mother father, whatever, you name it. it. It would look as if you hated them, if you compared the love. So what they're doing here is they're doing a, a comparison. A, and that's just, a, that's just a, the Jewish way of talking also. So anyway, and that's kind of who he's dealing with, are, are the Jewish people at this time. So that's what Christ is saying. Christ is not telling you to hate anybody, because there's so much scripture that tells you to, like, for example, love your wife. Right? You know, the, the Bible commands us men to love our wives as Christ loved the church. What I have always learned about that is I do not love my wife like I'm supposed to every time I come across that passage. <sighs> Conviction already, and I'm preaching. Huh? Amen. Uh, anyway, so, love. We need to love him so much more than anything. So that's the first thing that that needs to be explained and that's also one of those things that need if you're going to follow Christ that's one of the qualifications. You need to love him. Because if there's anything that's will that will is capable of stealing your love away, it will. You need to make sure to follow Christ. He needs to be number 1. Christ needs to be number 1. All right, and then uh and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Christ is saying, you must be willing to die for me. You may, he's not saying that you will die, but you need, to be, you need to be willing. The cross during this time, during this time that this was penned, was a, a death device. If you are carrying a cross, which is something that the Romans did, all right. if you, if you were going to be crucified you were going to carry your cross to the place where they were going to crucify you. That is how, that's, how, that's what the Romans did. So when he said that you need to carry your cross, you need, to prepare, you need to prepare to die. You need to prepare to be willing to put your life on the line for Christ. We don't have that problem here in America. Right? We don't have anybody wanting to kill us for being a Christian. That is not so in Northern Africa And in the Middle East. You say that you are a Christian, you will die. Um, And there's actually more Christians dying today than ever in history. But we just don't hear about it. It's really amazing how much news, international news, we know nothing about here in America. Because I've really, like, I've noticed that there's so much propaganda right now. Uh, about the United States and, vo- and with China, and i didn 't even knew it until I started getting because i 'm going to Suriname, so you know i 'm starting to catch up on all the Suriname news, and they do a lot of dealings with, with Suriname right now, uh, because it, ask me afterwards after this message, and i 'll tell you some of the propaganda China is doing towards the u.s it 's kind kind of crazy, but you know we just don 't hear about that. Right? we kind of we're living very comfortable lives here in America but that's one of the qualifications to become a disciple of Christ. We need to love him number one and then number two we need to be willing to die. How often I mean men we would die for our children If something you know if harm was coming we would jump in the way same thing with our wives we would jump in the way for them. Christ for his glory would we be willing to jump jump in, would we be willing to die for him? That's one of the qualifications. We need. He's not he he's just he's not saying you will. He's just you need to be willing. And then 28 he says, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. This is how this is why they were able to answer Christ's uh, call, his second invitation so quickly. Come and follow me. This is why they had a quick response. They counted the cost. They had 40 days while Christ was gone. So a little over a month while Christ was gone uh, fasting, uh, being tempted. They used that time. They counted the cost. And honestly, it does cost you. Be, being being a believer it it does it does cost you I, uh, um, I don't have much family most of my family has has passed away so I really have no generations older than me and my side of the family um, but I do have a brother I have two nieces and a nephew most of them have nothing to do with me I am what you would call the white sheep of my family. I have nothing in common with any of them. I am the first male in my family that is not an alcoholic. I am the first person in my family that has not been, whose life has not been ruined and taken over by drugs. And because of that, we have nothing in common. So they don't talk to me. They don't, they don't want to spend time with me. My brother, once in a while, will call me, see how I'm doing, and then get mad over at me over something because, you know, I value life, and he doesn't seem to value life. Like, we really had this be like, we, oh, we had a he got mad at me because I valued life, right? I told him, I was like, you were talking as if people are paddle they are not they are they they are living souls that upset him he hung up on me in march we just started talking two days ago all right so that will probably last for maybe a couple more months and then he will get mad at me over something because the christian life costs you will have people that will not want to be your friends you will have family members that will forsake you because you are walking a path they do not want and who knows what else that it will cost. But it will cost. And are you willing to pay the cost? And these disciples, they had a quick answer. They followed Christ. They became fishers of men because they counted the cost. They were willing to pay this price. You know, they, you know, there are, I, I've, I've come to the conclusion that we, have a lot more inactive believers in our churches nationwide than we have lazy believers. And I say this is because I know a lot of people, their work, what they do for a living, and how they provide for their families. There's really not a lot of lazy people in churches today because they have nice houses, they have nice cars, they provide nice things for their children, they provide nice things for their wives. That, uh, so or, or husbands, so forth and so on, like, they work hard for the things they have. So I know that there's not a lot of lazy believers. We have a lot of inactive believers. And that's sad. And you know, something, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to just throw this out here, is one, something that I have realized about, um, about 2020, is 2020 has forced churches to stop serving christ at a corporate level and has forced the church to start serving christ on an individual level and honestly that is awesome because the more you can get individually serving christ the better i mean that is great and as a church the the amount of what you can do together if all of you individually like i'm telling you it's like That synergy will start, you know, will start creating. You're going to even do more. I'm telling you, it's pretty awesome. If you think about it, my mind is about to explode thinking about it. It's just really awesome, all right? So that's what my thoughts on 2020 is. I could totally be wrong and have no idea what's going on, but that's all right. And, you know, the reason why that we have inactive believers is because, if we're honest, they've counted the cost and they're not willing to pay. And my, my hope is that every one of us here will accept Christ on both invitations. One, salvation. Please be saved. Please have a relationship with Christ. I mean, I want to tell you guys something here, All right, God did not Save us for heaven I just want you to know that he did not save us for heaven. He saved us to be reconciled to the Father. He saved us to have a relationship with us because he is a holy God and for because we have sinned we have come short of that glory. We are not able to be in his presence so we have separated ourselves. He is unable to have a relationship with us so he had to sacrifice his son for us so that we can have a relationship with him and wherever in the Bible promises, that to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. So wherever God is, we get to be there too, right? Where is Christ? He's in heaven, sitting on the right hand of the Father. So when we pass away from this flesh, we get to be with Christ. We get to be at his feet. And that is exciting. Do you even realize that in, when Christ comes back to rule and reign for a thousand years the millennial reign of Christ, guess who gets to come back with him? We do. We get to come back and rule and reign with him because wherever Christ is, we will be there too because we have a relationship with him. And that's what it's about. It is about Christ. Christ is the culmination of everything. All the Old Testament, all the New Testament, all of it pointing to Christ. And that is, what, that is what it's all focused about. And are, you, are we ready to give our life, just to, to trust in what he's done for us because he's loved us so much. He died for us. And if we trust in what he's done for us, we can be saved. That's his first invitation. Come and see. Trust me, you will notice God is good. Secondly, he wants you to deepen your relationship and follow him. You need to love him more than anything. You need to be willing to put your life on the line for Christ. You might not have to, but you need to be willing. And thirdly, it's going to cost. It's going You're going to have to pay eventually. Maybe not as much as some other people, maybe more. But it's going to cost. Is Christ worth it? Are you ready to follow him? Let's have a moment of invitation. please. Uh, please stand with your head... Heads uh, bowed, we'll have a moment, we'll pray. And if God is speaking in your hearts, please do business with him. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your love, for the fact that you extend salvation to us. We thank you that you extend us to become followers, help us to love you. And if we're all honest, we don't love you the way that we should. Many times I love my life more than I love you, God. Lord, it's going to cost. And I pray that when the time comes that we have to pay, we would be willing to do it. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here and being willing to listen to me this whole time. Um, I also want to apologize. I don't have any Christmas messages, okay? So, but all of my messages have to do with Christ. So I, th- I think I can get out of it maybe. I oh, hope. Please, please be uh, gracious and forgiving. And uh, I believe we can be dismissed as long as there's nothing else going on. Oh, that's a lie. i come back up. We'll take love offering for uh, brother kelly